Thanks again for joining us today. My name's uh, Andy. Uh, I'm uh, uh, on the team with the long-term mobilization. We send people to the nations. We're not going to talk about that today, so take a deep breath if you were nervous. Um, uh, We're actually going to be in Matthew, Matthew 3. You can open your Bibles to Matthew 3. Um, We've been in Matthew for now about a month, and we just got done reading about the birth of Jesus and him going to Egypt and him coming back. And so we're going to, today we're going to look at John the Baptist, right? The wild man, everybody knows John the Baptist, John chapter 3, and we'll read verses 1 through 12. All right, here we go. It says, in those days, and it's behind me if you don't have a Bible, by the way. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the ax is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you, verse 11 says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he is coming. Just hear the song that we just sang, right, in this verse. But he is coming after me who is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire." So we read John the Baptist, and I think for most of us, we like John the Baptist, right? I mean, he was this bold preacher. He totally burned the religious guys that fully deserved it, right? And we're like, yeah, go get him, you know, John. And and, and he called people to a decision. Like, he was bold in his interactions with people. He was a great dresser, right? And... um, and so, and, and then, and then, so we like, I think the majority of us like John the Baptist. And, and, then, and then we start thinking about ourselves, and we're like, oh man, I'm, I'm not really very John the Baptist-y, whatever that means, right? I'm, I'm not really like a bold proclaimer. I, I don't really, you know, like speak uh, uh, bold truth to uh, religious people. I don't like putting pressure on people. Um, and, you know, I, and so I'm really not him. We start to get overwhelmed, by how we don't measure up to John the Baptist. But here's what I think God has for us today, church. What I think that God has is he has um, lessons from how John the Baptist lived and operated with his disciples that are direct, direct for us to begin to step into, no matter how we are wired. Um, so today's message is called uh, call, Wildly Calling People to Jesus. And you're like, well, Andy, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm out from the beginning. That first word, wildly, I mean, I drive a Prius. I'm an introvert, right? Just kidding. All you Prius, you know, hybrid drivers are like, what? No, I'm just kidding. Okay, can we have a little fun, church? Is that okay, you guys? Okay, just wanted to, feels a little stuffy in here. Maybe it's just, you know, me. 
And, uh, and uh, so it's okay. We can, we, can have, we can joke a little bit. It's okay. If, you don't, if you're not the wild type, you don't have a faux hawk and big old gauges, it's okay. Okay? You can still wildly call people to Jesus. And I, I do believe that God has something for you today. So here's the three things we're going to look at. Three ways that John the Baptist wildly called people to Jesus. Number one, John the Baptist wildly called the masses. John the Baptist wildly called the masses to Jesus. Number two, John the Baptist wildly called the religious to Jesus. Number three, John the Baptist called people to decision about Jesus. John the Baptist called people to decision. So the first one, we look at the very first verse that says, John the Baptist came preaching. And again, I think when we see the word preaching in the Bible, often we think of this kind of setting, right? Where a guy who spent the week preparing comes and gives a 35-minute uh, message, right, to the, to the, to the people, and, and that is a, a kind of preaching. Uh, we often think of the gift of preaching, right? Like what, this is what, uh, you know, Carter and Halem and, and Tyler and all these guys, depending on your campus, Blackwell and whoever, you know, and, and that's what these guys have, the gift of preaching. And so we kind of tap out right away as soon as we see that verse. And it's just not true, guys. It's a lie that the enemy has gotten us to believe that if we don't have the gift of preaching or because we don't, can't do this setting, that we are not to proclaim the gospel, that we are not to announce or to herald the gospel, and it's just not true. God wants to speak very clearly to all of us today that he wants to use us because he is so great. He wants us to enjoy him and out of that greatness to proclaim and talk about who he is, not just when we're singing to and with each other, but to the world he's put around us. So look, let's jump down to verse four. It says, now John wore a, a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist and his food was locusts and wild honey. Now this is obviously the idea of where we get the, the idea that John is a wild man, right? He's a wild man because he dressed and ate like a true Austinite, right? And, and, and no offense, I'm not talking about all y'all hipsters that live downtown, okay? It, it wasn't that style. It was totally like the South Austin, the true Austinites, right? Like the hippie, all natural, you know, that are kind of scattered throughout our, and, and the South campus right now is like, hoo, 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 you know? And, and um, no offense to anybody in here, but, but, you know, like he was a true Austinite, right? And, and I think we like him because he looked at the culture and said, I don't need to be like that in order to proclaim the message that I know is what's true. And sometimes we fall into this trap. Sometimes we fall into this belief that unless I become like the culture, I can't communicate effectively the message of Jesus. And John the Baptist um, uh, is a stark contrast to that. John the Baptist looked at those um, cultural norms and said, I don't have to live like that. So when we think about cultural norms today, cultural norms like you don't talk about Jesus, you don't talk to strangers. You don't care for people that don't care about you. Or think about the Christian culture. The Christian culture that we live in says, you know, you don't really have to, it's okay to not share your faith with people. It's okay to not, you know what, your actions are enough. If you have the little flip calendar with a little Jesus fish or something on it, like that's enough. And I'm not trying to dog you if you have one of those, okay? That's fine, but it can't stop there. God calls us to speak about him. And, and John knew this, and so he didn't adhere to those cultural norms. You guys think about what John, Jesus said to his disciples in John 17. You guys remember this. It's a familiar passage where he called the disciples not to be of the world. Not to be of the world. You guys have heard this phrase, in the world, but not of it. And sometimes I think we, we believe, hey, it's okay to be in the world, just not of it, right? 
But, but, but the reality is that we, we're not just in it, we're sent into it. There's a specific purpose that Jesus has for us to live where we live. And so it's okay if you know about the culture. I'm not saying you have to, you know, move out to the, to the hill country beyond Westlake, right? And, and, and dress in a camel skin deal with a leather belt, okay? I'm not saying that. You can, you can keep on listening to, I, I'm not the music guy, so like, I, but you can keep on listening to 21 Pilots riding your Lime Scooter, okay? Is that a popular band still? Okay, maybe not. Like, you can see how out of the deal. I'll talk to the band during, and then we'll fix it for the next service, okay? Uh, but, but you get my point. It's okay to, to know about those things, but not to let those things consume your life. And I wonder if we look at our social media and our money, just look at those two things, how much of our lives is consumed with the world versus consumed with Jesus? See, John lived in the reality of his sentness. Look at what John chapter 1 says about John the Baptist. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. John's calling was so clear. It's really no different than ours. Make life about Jesus. John was saying, I'm not the light. Don't look at me. Just because I have the, you know, this, this organic camel skin deal and I'm popping gluten-free grasshoppers, that I'm not trying to just draw attention to myself. What I'm trying to do is point to the real light. And that's what God wants our lives to be about. In, in John chapter three, we see this again, where John the Baptist's disciples come to him and they say, hey, look at Jesus and his disciples down the river. They're baptizing more people. More people are going to him. And John says, you know what? He says, I'm not the Christ. This is John chapter 3. I'm not the Christ. Jesus getting all the attention makes me thrilled. And then in verse 30, he says, he, Jesus, he must increase, but I must decrease. What does it look like for us to have that same mentality? That Jesus would increase in our lives and that we would decrease This is what God's calling us to today through the life of John the Baptist. His calling people to Jesus wasn't primarily about his method or the cultural norms or himself, but it was simply about Jesus. And so John kept calling people to repent and turn to Jesus. We see the people's response in verse 5. Look what it says. It says, Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. I think two more things that we learned from John the Baptist in this part, both that he, he, um, he excuse me, he proclaimed indiscriminately and he proclaimed uh, consistently. When I get the, the word indiscriminately from the alls there, or the all that's implied when it says then Jerusalem, like all of Jerusalem, and then all of Judea, and then all the region. Everybody was going out, and no matter who um, God put in front of John the Baptist, he was faithfully proclaiming, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of God is hand. He was saying the kingdom is right here. It's right now. Jesus is here and you have to interact with him. You have to. He was calling no matter who God put in front of him. And I think what we can do sometimes is dichotomize our lives. Like this Sundays are kind of like Jesus's day, right? And then the rest of our week, like at least Monday through Friday, that's kind of the man's week, the, the, the man's part, right? The, like that's our work part. And then Saturday's my day. And then so then and we kind of separate our lives out like this. And John didn't live like that. No matter who God put in front of him at what time, he was proclaiming the kingdom of God. I, I've got a friend that's a doctor here in town. And, and he consistently, not every patient, 
but he consistently talks to patient after patient about Jesus. He prays for his patients. Again, not everyone, but it doesn't matter who God puts in front of him. He's faithful to proclaim the kingdom of God. And I think God wants us to live like this. The second thing we see is that, and it's not said directly, but that John the Baptist was preaching, uh, was proclaiming consistently. Consistently. I get this because it says that Jerusalem, the city, and all Judea and all the region around the Jordan were coming out to him. And so scholars argue about how many people were actually living uh, in Jesus and John the Baptist's day. But, but the conservative number would be 600,000. And, and, and there's several scholars that say it's well over a million. So we'll stay, say it's just 600,000, right? A, a little smaller than Austin. And if you're baptizing hundreds and thousands of people, that's not going to happen in a few days. That's not going to happen in a few weeks. John the Baptist was consistently proclaiming the gospel again and again and again. And I think what, one of the things that, that we would, would, would have to come out of this time together would not just be that this week we would proclaim the gospel once, but that week after week we would find a group of people and proclaim the good news of Jesus. I knew five, um, I, knew, I, I was a part of one of these, but five, last year there were these five MCs, and they all, in, in about this time, about September, uh, and I know it's not quite August yet, okay, don't worry, uh, and uh, they, they all kind of put their hands in and said, we're going to, by the grace of God, commit week after week after week to try to have at least one Jesus conversation every week. 54 people did this in five different groups, so about 11 people per group, and at the end of nine months, you know what? They talked to, right here in Austin, they talked to 1,400 people. 1,400 people with five MCs. 54 people. Friends, and, 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 and if you average, and some of you are like doing the math right now, or some of you are smart enough to do that in your brain, it averages out to be about three conversations per month. So we got a week of grace. We're not legalists here, okay? Like three conversations, like one, th- one conversation, three weeks, and then there's a week that they didn't. And so each of these people, it wasn't an overwhelming rate, but it was consistent. And when they were consistently calling people to Jesus, guess what? Just like in John the Baptist day, there's fruit. So last year, these 54 people saw 28 people follow Jesus. Amen? These 54 talked to 1,400 and saw 28. Yeah, you can whoop and holler and do whatever your gang sign is for that, right? It's amazing. And, and it's not because anything, anybody did anything great or they didn't change their lives radically. They just got a group together and said, what if we would be used by God to talk about our great treasure at least once a week? And so, friends, God wants us to live as sent ones to call Austin to himself, and he wants us to do it consistently. How about this, the next thing? John the Baptist, our second point today is John the Baptist was wildly calling the religious to Jesus. You look at verse 7. It says this, but when he, John the Baptist, saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, these are the religious leaders of the day, right? The Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. And you're like, whoa, John's coming out swinging, right? Why is he calling these people snakes? Like what is going on? And, and, and it's because they were, they, were, they, were, they were switching the truth. They were taking some truths, and, but then they were adding their own truths, which makes it a lie. Amen? They, 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 if, if it's not all true, then it's a lie. Right? It's just a half-truth. And, and these guys from the outside, they looked amazing. They followed the law. They were coming out to John, but they were doing it for all the wrong reasons. 
They were showing off. They, to them, and we'll see here in verse 8 and 9, why, why John the Baptist calls them this brood of vipers. Look, the why for why John was so harsh is unpacked in verses 8 and 9. It says, John says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Now, again, from the outside, it looked like these guys were obeying the law. They were getting baptized. But that, that key, the key phrase is in keeping with repentance. Because where does repentance happen? Repentance is an inward thing, not an external thing. Now, you can, you can proclaim repentance, but only God can see what happens in the heart. And John the Baptist knew that, that these guys were about the external and not the internal. See, repentance, repentance shows our need for God. And the Pharisees had switched their need for God to their own righteousness. And John said, that's not going to work. You, you can't save yourself. You see it again in verse 9. Where the, where the Pharisees, the religious teachers, they, they start to depend on their lineage, right? It says, and, and John the Baptist says to them, do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. See, the, the, the Pharisees were falsely believing that because they were a part of a certain tribe, a certain people, that they were um, accepted by God. But here's the reality, friends. God doesn't have any grandchildren. Have you heard that one before? He only has sons and daughters. Listen listen to what John 1 says. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Not grandchildren. Just because your your mom or your grandma is a faithful follower of Jesus, I'm sorry, but that has no eternal implications for you. Now, it sets you up to, 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 to head towards Jesus, but you yourself have to repent. You going to church, you being baptized, you being a Texan, you having a Bible, you belonging to a political party does not save you, amen? None of those things save you. If you think that your being here somehow adds to your salvation, you're wrong. And if you're trusting in what Jesus did on the cross and your good works, then you will go to hell. This summer I was um, in Uganda and I was riding uh, a little motorcycle through Uganda and I was talking to my driver, getting to know him. And, and I got to know him a little bit and then I just started asking some spiritual questions like, hey, do you, um, do you believe in Jesus? Yes. Do you read the Bible? Yes. Are you a part of a church? Yes. And because Uganda, in a lot of ways, like Texas, is very kind of Christianized, right? By Christianized, I mean uh, being around b- biblical things. I said, and our friends there told us to ask these kind of questions. If you were to stand before God and he said, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you respond? I'm just asking my driver as we're going through Uganda, right? It looked kind of funny because I'm like up to here hugging this guy. And, 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 uh, and, and, and sadly, he responds, um, because I've been a good person and I go to church. See, this guy knew all about Jesus, even owned a Bible, but he was still trusting in his good works to have right standing before God. And, and it, it's, it's not going to work, friends. Hear what Ephesians 2, verses uh, 4, 5, 8, and 9 say. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, dead in all of our wrongs, all the ways that we have chosen our own way and not his way, God made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved. And then it says it again in verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. Do you hear that? 
It is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God so that no one can boast. You can't add anything to your salvation. And so if you're hearing my voice today, right now, and you haven't repented fully, knowing that only Jesus can save you, today's the day for you. Salvation, God wants to say to you, today's the day. Stop trusting in your good works. Stop worrying or stop being so arrogant to think that your good works will save you. They cannot. Only Jesus and Jesus alone can save you. And so um, the, the reason uh, the, that we talk like this um, and, and, and we talk so boldly and wildly call people to Jesus is because, because Jesus alone will save. And people, there are people all around us. We met one uh, a couple of weeks ago in the skate park. I was just at the skate park with my son and uh, a friend and his sons. And we're just at the skate park and, and we start this conversation with this guy, Will. Will's the total, you know, pants rolled up a little higher, got the sweet vans on and uh, no helmet, got the longer hair and just looks the part, Right. And we start talking to Will about um, uh, Jesus and what it means to have a relationship with God. And, and he, he totally bought into this lie that because he was a good person, because he didn't hurt anybody, because he tried to do his best, that he would be okay after he died. That he would be okay in his relationship with God based on his actions. Friends, again, can I just say very clearly, we're not good enough. You can, you, can, you can live a good life, but somebody has to pay for the wrongs, and all of us have wrongs, amen? I've got plenty from this week. You're like, really? Like what? I don't want to tell you, but just trust me. But I'm forgiven, amen? I live in forgiveness just like you. And so I can sing my lungs out because I'm forgiven, and I don't have to live in guilt anymore. All of us can live like that. All of us can sing like that. And all of us can proclaim like that. And the last thing we got to do that we can learn from John the Baptist is we can wildly call people to a decision. We can wildly call people to a decision. And and I just want to, well, we'll read the text here and then then I'll tell you about myself. Uh, Matthew 3 says this, verses 11 and 12. I'll just read it one more time. John says, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he is coming after me who is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. John does two things in this last scene. He wildly exalts Jesus and he wildly calls people to a decision. He wildly lifts up and proclaims and exalts the name of Jesus. And he says, you, because Jesus is so great, you have to decide what you're going to do with him. And, 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 and John, when we see it, look at, look at what it says again. He says, I'm not even worthy to carry his sandals. Carrying the sandals, right, because it's dusty and we're not doing all these cool little socks and shoes that we have. It was a dirty deal, right, to carry the sandals of another. The lowest servant in the house would have to carry and, and, and wash the sandals. And John said, I'm not even worthy to do that of Jesus. It, 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 it echoes of what Paul would say later in Colossians 1 as he lifted up the name of Jesus. And I'm going to replace the he's, the pronouns, with the name Jesus so that we can sit under the weightiness, the awesomeness of who Jesus is. This is one of the best passages to talk about how great Jesus is. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. 
For by Jesus all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. And Jesus is, was um, before all things. And in Jesus, all things hold together. And Jesus is the head of the body, the church. Jesus is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And in everything, that in everything, Jesus might be preeminent. For in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through Jesus, to reconcile to himself, to God, all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his, Jesus' cross. Jesus is amazing, friends, and John the Baptist knew that. And because of that, knowing he had, he had to call people to a decision. And, and um, uh, you know, when we look at the verse, it's very clear. And even if you don't understand farming and what is this winnowing fork, and is, is that even the right way to say winnowing, right? I don't know, okay? Um, but we see very clearly that even if you don't have a farming background, there, 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 there are these two things. There's the, the wheat, which is, which is useful and brings life and, and can create more life and, and create more wheat. And then there's the, cha- the chaff, right, which is not useful anymore. It served its purpose, and it, it is, is going to be thrown away and burned forever and ever. And so there are two options, friends, to put your faith in Jesus and belong to God or to not put your faith in Jesus and be eternally separated from God. And friends, I, I don't know about you, I, I actually like talking to people about Jesus. It's not difficult for me to start those conversations. But I also want to confess to you that, it's, that, that I, even, even I get kind of squirmy when it comes to this calling people to decisions part. I don't, I don't, I don't like to, to do that end part. I love to start the conversation. I love to lift up the name of Jesus. And then, and, but then I, calling people decision, to decision is difficult for me. And I, I don't know exactly why. I think, I think part of it is that, that I'm understanding the, the weight or the gravity of, of the eternal consequences of this decision. And, and maybe the second one is I'm just making it too much about myself. Did I preach the gospel right? Did I t- tell all the right parts of the gospel? Did I somehow mess it up? Did I have eye contact? Did I, could have I done anything different? I, 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 and I made it all about me. And this is where it's great to believe in a sovereign God, amen? This is where it's wonderful to believe in a sovereign God who calls people to himself. Because when you believe in a sovereign God who's over people's salvation, you can't mess it up. Amen? You can't mess it up. Listen to what John 6 says. John 6, says, No one comes to me. This is Jesus talking. No one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. God is the one doing the drawing. Not us. Amen? We simply get to join him and ask people to follow him. So, 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 so practically, what does this mean, right? So we're at the skate park. We're talking to, to this guy about Jesus. And my buddy's friend, I'm sorry, my buddy's son, his, his 13-year-old son comes. And, and he's seen his dad model this again and again. But my buddy's son comes up, sees what we're talking about. And, and, and his dad kind of sets him up for success. And then he clearly unpacks the gospel for this guy, Will unpacks what does it mean to follow Jesus and then and then looks at him and says where would you where do you see yourself will and will said well i th- i think i have peace with god but i i don't i don't believe in jesus and and will looks straight at him and and says i'm sorry will but the bible says you can't 13 years old i'm sorry will but the bible says you can't have peace with god without jesus oh 
that we would be that bold, amen? That we would have that kind of courage and faith to love somebody enough, amen? The most loving thing we can do is wildly call people to a decision, to ask the question. That's what God wants for us today. So practically, that can look a lot of different ways. Where are you at with, with Jesus today? How, do you want to follow Jesus today? I've got one friend, and he consistently, he'll go take his uh, different coworkers out to a meal, talk to them about their lives, what they believe about God, and then just ask this question. On a scale of 1 to 10, how certain are you that you're going to go to heaven to be with God? And if they answer anything but 10, then he just asks them why. And says, if you, if you could be a 10, would you want to be? And if they answer 10, he says, why? To make sure that they understand the gospel. I don't know what the questions are. I'm just trying to give you some examples of what it means to call people to decision. Because Jesus is so great. Jesus wants us to wildly call people to decision. He wants us to proclaim how great he is. And, and when I was thinking about, man, what should kind of, where should we land this plane today? What should be our application for the week? At first I was going to say, you know what? I want all of us to pray for the courage, pray for the person, and have one Jesus conversation this week. And I was like, yeah, that would be awesome. But then I realized it's so short-sighted. Because there would be a handful of us that would check that box, feel really good about ourselves, almost turn into Pharisees because we shared, right? And then, and then there would be a big chunk of us that, because we were trying to do it alone, we would just feel guilty. And I think what God wants more than that. See, what, 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 we see, what we sometimes unfortunately learn from John the Baptist is, unless I turn into some kind of John the Baptist, Chuck Norris believer, right, who can just share the gospel wildly, then God's not happy with me. And that's not true, friends. God looks at you and loves you, no matter how many times you share. Amen? No matter how many times you share or don't share, he loves you intimately. His love for you is not based on you. Now, here's the deal, though. You can enjoy more of his love like John did. You can enjoy and know more of his love, which is constant, if you share. But I don't think you can do it alone. I can't. I need a group of people. And so here's here's the application. Here's the way it needs to play out. John the Baptist didn't do this stuff by himself. Remember what we read in John chapter 3 when his disciples, John the Baptist's disciples, not Jesus' disciples, came to him and said, hey, look at Jesus. And again, we see it in Matthew chapter 11 where John the Baptist's disciples came to ask Jesus a question. You know what the, 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 the point is? That John the Baptist had a group of homies. He had some people he did life with. He didn't do it alone. Even though that's what we think, he's just this wild man living out in the desert by himself. He had a group with him. And so we need a group with him. So here's the application. This week, call four of your believing friends, whether you live with them, whether you're an MC with them, whether you're in a band with them, and that takes care of about half of downtown because most of you are in bands, right, going for it. And, And so I don't know who the group of people is, but get four believers. Call four believers and ask them. Say, I'm not good at it, but I need somebody to hold me accountable. And let's commit between now and Christmas every week to try to have at least one Jesus conversation every week. And then every week you get back together before practice, before MC, if, it's, if you're doing it as a family, before the meal, and just say, how did it go today, guys? How'd it go this last week? Share the failures, share the, the, the fun ones. You know what will happen is God will start to work through you. 
God will start to work through you if you consistently call people to him. He wants to use you. Don't be overwhelmed. Believe that God wants to use you. Let's pray. God, help us right now uh, to believe truth. We're, we're, a lot of us are on the, the cliff of indecision and we could kind of go either way. There, there's a part of us that really wants to believe what you said through your word, that you're calling all of us to call people to follow you. And there's a part of us that's, that's bringing up all the doubts and reasons why we, we couldn't be that person, whether it be our schedules or our personalities. Would you help us not to base our decisions on us or our feelings? Would you help us to base our decisions on your word, on what you clearly say, how you want all of us to make disciples right here in Austin, God, in the neighborhoods and workplaces, on the trails we run, on the places that we go to eat. You want all of us, God, to call people to yourself. There's no one better than you, God. Don't let us selfishly enjoy you and and, and then not give you to the people that are all around us, God. So use us to draw people to yourself. God, I pray that our church would be filled with people that are beginning to boldly proclaim week after week how great you are. And I pray that you would grace us and allow us to see people enter your kingdom because you're drawing them to yourself. Thanks that the pressure isn't on us. We love you. We thank you for this time. And the church agreed and said, amen.